Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and developments of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, today we are doing issue two of the DC Comics Plastic Man Open inverted commas, ongoing series that launched in 1966. When we started working out and planning what we were going to do for the podcast, we didn't really plan on doing every issue of Plastic Man, and we're not going to do every issue of Plastic Man. But we had so much fun doing issue one, <laughs> and given the subject matter of issue two, and a couple of other things about issue two, we thought it'd be fun at least to do issue two of Plastic Man. So that's what we're doing, issue two of Plastic Man, which was published on the 22nd of November 1966, with a cover date of February 1967. Still in 1966. 22nd of November, three years to the day since the death of President Kennedy and the release of the second Beatles album, and almost three years to the day before Doctor Who started. There you go. PC, do you want want to pure tell us about the cover to issue two of Plastic Man? (laughs) Yes, it is. New, the fantastic Plastic Man. We've got the classic, now, uh, 60s Google checks right at the top, basically guaranteeing you a good read. Yes, that's a fair assessment. I would agree with that, yes. Yep. Plastic Man logo at the top. We have a caption at the side that says, Have we got an origin story for you? Heck no. We've got three of them, and one's goofier than the next, in The Many Lives of Plastic Man. And on the cover, we have a rather unusual-looking criminal. Yes. Who is running away from... Well, basically, he's doing lots of things. He has a suitcase, which isn't actually a suitcase, filled with loot. It's actually Plastic Man in disguise. And he's called the Spider. Mm. And basically, from his chest down, he's a normal suited criminal. Mm-hmm. But... From his chest up, he has got eight arms. Yes. And a whole green top to him. And his head is like a fuzzy green with two pink segmented eyes mm-hmm. and a pincer mouth. It's genuinely horrible. And each one of his hands, he's pretty much holding a gun. All of them, apart from the one, of course, from which he's carrying Plastic Man in the case. Yeah. With that, he's holding off some cops and <laughs> he's making his getaway. Plastic Man, rather amusingly, is changing his shape out of the case and he's plugged one of his fingers in the end of one of the guns and he's about to bop the spider on the head. Yep, I love it. It's an amazing cover. As the spider's running away, he's uh, shouting to the cops. Out of my way, cops. Nobody stops the spider. That's just a completely spontaneous voice there. Yes. One thing I like about this cover, there's so many little details to it. Like, class is obviously transform himself into the case that the spider is using to carry the jewels that he's that he's mm-hmm. stolen and some of the jewels have sort of fallen out there's a ring and, some di- and a diamond yeah. and a, a bracelet or something that fall onto the, the pavement behind we can see the broken glass in the background that's probably the window of the jeweler's shop and the spider has little sort of web details on his socks and on his tie that he's wearing under his sort of brown suit it's a cracker yeah it's a lot of fun my copy is a one shilling price sticker at the top over the, the Thorpe and Porter price stamp so there we go. Watch out for that when it there pops up on Instagram, kiddies. The cop looks appalled, and I have to say, the whole look for the spider kind of reminds me of the Vincent Price movie, The Fly. Yes, uh-huh. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I wonder if that was in their, their mind. And it's also, as, as Pete pointed out in our preparation for this episode, it's very reminiscent in the look of a character published by Atlas Comics in the 70s called the Tarantula. Yes. Who we will talk about much a bit more detail much, much later on. Um, not in this episode, but in another one followed down the line because there's a another story mm-hmm. with a character called the Tarantula that we're going to do. The Tarantula obviously being the name of a short-lived DC superhero from the 40s who became a member of the All-Star Squadron and went to, to greater heights in that series. But we'll talk about him way, way in the future. See, I, mean, I have to say, one thing I've always loved about Plastic Man is just that thing where he's able to change himself into other things. The fact that he's made himself into the suitcase. Yes, uh-huh. The fact that the spider didn't notice that the suitcase was bright red with black <laughs> and yellow stripes on it, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's terrific. I love it. Yeah. So much fun. So much fun. Shall we head into the story? Oh, please. Please. Here. At last, the story you've been dying and also paid 12 cents for... The, the Three, three faces, faces of, of Plastic, Plastic Man. Man. 
We have three long panels that take up and fill the splash page. The first of these three long panels has a caption, and it says... The never-before-told origins of Mr. Fantastic himself. Only, which one is the true origin? Was he... And this first panel shows a bit of an outdated sort of stereotype. The caption for this panel says... Gypsy Fiddler. Yeah, and it's obviously Plastic Man. He's got black boots and a sort of loose-fitting red top and red trousers with a yellow belt. He has a yellow bandana. He wears the familiar Plastic Man goggles. He has an exaggerated comedy moustache and he's playing his violin. So yes, was Plastic Man a Gypsy Fiddler or was he... Yogurt Farmer. And the second panel shows a gentleman with a mop of untidy black hair Plastic Man's goggles and square jaw wearing a yellow shirt, red dungarees and his bare foot and a bucket or a barrel, I suppose. Well, in fact, there's a caption on what he's standing in. He's he's standing in a yoghurt churn and we can see that he's obviously stamping the yoghurt and creating yoghurt. So that's quite interesting. And then the final long panel has a caption that says... Or Crook. And it's a very shady looking character in a red hat, a red overcoat and a red suit. He's reading a newspaper and he's stretching his other arm up into an open window and he's stealing some jewels. The three faces of Plastic Man indeed, Gypsy Fiddler, Yogurt Farmer <laughs> or Crook. I can't wait to see how what happens in this story, quite frankly. <laughs> anyway, over the page to page two and the first caption says... What's this? Earnest, efficient and energetic Gordon K. Trueblood, closing his pet shop in mid-afternoon? Has the world gone mad? And we see Gordy, who we met in Plastic Man issue 1 in a recent episode a couple of weeks ago. Gordy has a monkey on his back, which I think is a song by the Inspiral Carpets. <laughs> Actually, it's more balanced than his shoulder. Gordy doesn't look happy. He's got his key in the lock of the door and he's thinking, Plastic Man is late again! He promised me he'd give me a hand at the zoo auction, but I can't wait any longer. The next panel, we see Gordy marching off down the street. There's some nice, differently shaped and sized other pedestrians, and we can see a walk sign, there's cars and stuff. It's a busy, you know, busy city street. Gordy's walking along with the monkey on his shoulder, and he's saying, A superhero like Plastic Man is such a responsibility to the community, but I can't get him to take it seriously. Ah, Chi-Chi, sometimes I wish I too were a carefree monkey. And then... Chi-Chi the monkey replies, Listen, we've got our problems. I suppose so. Then the next panel, Gordy looks astonished. There's a great representation of him doing a double take. And he's saying, What? You talked? Ah, oh, I see it all now. It's you, plastic man. And Chi-Chi the monkey replies, That's it, Gordy. I bribed Chi-Chi to let me take his place. It cost me 14 bananas <laughs> and an autographed picture of King Kong. Now in panel four, Gordy's marching along, looking at his watch, and, and he says, Another one of those silly kid stunts of yours, PM. When will you grow up? Is that all you want, for me to grow up? Okay, how about this? And then Chi-Chi, stroke Plastic Man, stretches his neck, and his face returns to the normal sort of Plastic Man that we're used to. It's quite a horrific image. We might put it on the socials. <laughs> be it'll be difficult to crop those, so we might not. Anyway, Gordy replies, Ah, cut that out! Now look what you've done. You've made me late for the auction. Next panel. A taxi is going past. Gordy hails it. Taxi! The taxi driver says, Sorry, buddy. I don't take no animals in my cab. What's that? How dare you, sir? Don't you recognize our spiritual bond to our lower animal brothers? In this panel, you see that Chi-Chi stroke Plastic Man stretching his arm round and into the taxi. The taxi driver replies, he may be your brother, Sam, but I'm the one that's got to clean the monkey fur out of the cab at night. Anyway, it's company policy. No animals in the cab. And Gordy says, Oh no? Then what's that in the rear seat? What's what in the rear? Yeah, my nose! And with a rough, rough, and this is kind of weird looking, Chi-Chi Stroke Plastic Man has transformed the hand that he stretched into a dog, and the dog has bitten the taxi driver on the nose. The next panel with a zoom, the taxi roars off. The taxi driver saying, A monkey with a dog growing out of his hand? This town gets nuttier every day. And Gordy and Plas have a right laugh to themselves. <laughs> it's a bit odd seeing monkey with Plastic Man's head perched on Gordy's shoulder. It's very unpleasant. Anyway, Gordy says <laughs> in the next panel, I'll admit that was mildly amusing, but it doesn't solve our problem. Now we'll have to walk to the zoo. Plastic Man says, 
No, you won't, Gordon Kay. I'll speed you and my monkey man there. There's a vroom at the corner of this panel, and then the next panel, we see that Mike has arrived, or rather, as Gordy says, Miss Michelin de Lieu the Third. Class says, Mike, good to see you, rich lady. And Mike is leaning out of her big fancy yellow sports car, and she's saying, It's a wild day for fun and games. Let's fly to Switzerland for a chocolate bar, or Bahunka land for a fresh coconut, my nut. Gordy grabs Plas by the arm and tries to beat him off in the next panel, saying, Thank you, Mr. Lude, but we have work to do. An animal auction at the zoo. Mike says, Well, at least let me drive you to the Beast Bazaar. Plas is now transformed into his full human shape at this point. Over the page now to page four. And in the first panel, there's a giant swoosh sound effect, and looks as though Plas is being sucked into the front of Mike's car. Plas exclaims, Yay! What's happening? And Mike says, Oh, that's my new vacuum scoop for picking up litter, loose change, and adorable you. And Gordy says, All right, Mr. Loot, you win. Meanwhile, in his secret lab beneath the pickle factory, the devilish Dr. Dome watches all this. Yeah, we're back with Dr. Dome. If you remember him from issue one, we can see that Dr. Dome is viewing Mike and Plas and Gordy in Mike's car on his big black and white TV screen. On the screen, we see Mike saying, on to Mammoth Park Zoo, my gorgeous gub of goo. And Dr. Dome, delightedly watching on the screen, says, Yes! Ha ha! On to the zoo, where Mr. Goo will get his due! In the next panel, he's holding a microphone, it looks like, and he's saying, For seven years, Plastic Man has plagued and belittled me, clobbered my death rays, licked my lasers and melted my freeze guns. But now, revenge! Oh, this is why he's the microphone, obviously. Attention! All units! Activate Plan B. The next panel shows Plastic Man and Mike and Gordy. This is quite sweet, actually. They're all pals, arm in arm, all walking up to the entrance gates of the zoo. And Plastic Man is saying, Nice driving, Mike, but do you think it's right to do 138 <laughs> miles an hour through a play street? <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> I would like to have seen that. Coming towards them through the gate is an elderly ice cream salesman. He's a trolley with ice cream written on it. It's a long bushy beard, thick white moustache. He's wearing a white cap. Wearing a white tunic, and he says, Ice cream, 43 delicious flavours, including turnip and scallion. <laughs> hey, you in the long red underwear, buy some ice cream. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're now at the bottom of page four here, and the first of these two panels has a nice shot of Plastic Man and the ice cream salesman. And the ice cream salesman is bearing a couple of ice lollies. One of them appears to have a tick, tick, tick sound effect coming from it. But anyway, Plastic Man says, Good idea. Three chocolate pops, please. And the ice cream salesman replies, Take the pistachio for yourself. It's lower calories. You athletes must have to watch the wasteland, you know. Yes, and this pistachio one is obviously the one that's tick, 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 because the next panel, we're back to Dr. Dome watching on his screen, and Dr. Dome is giggling <laughs> at the front of the panel, and on the screen we can see the ice cream seller rushing off with his trolley, um, looking back at Plastic Man, and the ice cream seller says, so long, buddy. Enjoy your pop. As we say, Dr. Dome is delighted. We have a caption this panel that says, Continued in second page following. So there's a nice full page advert for the Captain Action action figure. And as we arrive at page five, the caption on the first panel says, Meanwhile, just around the corner from the park. And it's a, an exciting panel of a couple of bad guys running over some bags of money being chased by some policemen. Uh, the bad guys are firing back at the police with a gun. And the first policeman says, Stop! Hold or I'll shoot! And the baddie with the gun says, What's the matter, bud? Afraid you can't hit a moving target? In the next panel, they rush past the ice cream seller. The ice cream seller says, Out of my way, you idiots! There's gonna be trouble in that park! And the bad guy says to him, What do you think's going on out here? Dancing classes? The next panel, we're back with Mike and Plastic Man. Mike's getting stuck into our chocolate ice cream. Plastic Man says, This is ridiculous! I don't even like pistachio. <laughs> and he casually tosses his ice cream back over his shoulder. We can still see the tick, tick, tick sound effect. And then the next panel, there's a colossal baroom, an explosion which has caught the two bad guys who are running away from the policeman and thrown them forward. So they're face down on the ground, dropping their money bags, dropping their guns. And in the next panel, we're back with Dr. Dome and he can see on his screen that the policeman I've reached Plastic Man and his two pals, and the first policeman says, Brilliant work, Plastic Man. You knocked out Lousy Louie and Matt the Rat and saved an 
$80,000 payroll. How'd you do it? Gordy says. In his usual cool and skillful fashion, growing out of meticulous preparation and constant vigilance. And make ads. He means plas is a gas. Dr. Doom isn't happy. Lifting up a chair and he says, No, no, not again. He's always doing this to me. I can't stand it any longer. I can't stand it. First panel, page six, with a whomp. He tries to hurl his chair at the TV screen. But then there's a whoosh and a crack because his daughter Lynx has arrived and she has caught the chair with her whip. And she says, Stop it, father. You've broken three TV screens already this week. Our television repair bill was $1,283. That's amazing. That's so funny. The fact that he's done it three times and the fact that she just <laughs> tells him the, the ridiculously specific figure. That's hilarious. I wonder what $1,283 would the equivalent would be nowadays. Anyway, in the next panel, Dr. Dome is looking really in the huff, really fed up. He's sat in the chair with his hands up to his face. And Lynx is standing beside him, still holding her whip, and she says, Besides, your psychiatrist says if you keep letting Plastic Man get to you this way, you'll <laughs> flip your silver dome. <laughs> Dr. Dome, head in his hands, says, I can't help it, Lynx, my loyal and dreadful daughter. He haunts my every waking moment, especially today, because in exactly one hour, Plastic Man plans to destroy me. What? Then why don't you kill him first? What do you think I've been trying to do for seven years? Cure his bronchitis? Yes, it is his fabulous flexibility that defeats you. If only you could face him without his superpowers. But that's not... Eureka! That's it, Lynx, my vicious offspring. You've hit upon it. Dr. Dome has leaped out of his chair. Lynx looks puzzled. She says... Huh? Panel 5 of page 6, Dr. Dome continues... Using my time machine, I'll go back to a period before Plastic Man gained his powers. I'll face him in his youth, preferably about six years old... Delicious! Link says in the next panel. Great scream, Peter. The only trouble is, nobody knows where Plastic Man came from, so you couldn't find it, even with an SO map. Hmm, that is a sticker. And Dr. Dome has put his hand up to his chin and is thinking furiously. Over the page to page 7, the first panel, Dr. Dome is marching off and he's saying, Hold it! There are three people who are rumoured to know his origin. You will trick it out of them! But I can't question all three in one hour. Yes, you can. Follow me. The next panel, Dr. Dome is up a ladder and it looks like he's twirling the dial of a giant safe. And he says, Behind this door is a fantastic machine that will solve our problem. Oh, drat. I always forget the combination. It's the same as your social security number. Well, you show me one man who remembers his social security number. The next panel shows that Doc has been successful. He's got out the machinery that he was after. It kind of looks like a... Like an old-school top-loading washing machine. Yes. There's a sort of prong that comes out of it, which then splits into a T-bar, which has what looks like three pods with sort of lamp heads above them. And as he beholds this machine, Dr. Dome says to Lynx, My greatest achievement! A triplicating machine. Using this, we can turn you into three girls, and you can interview all three people simultaneously! Pop, you are one heck of a tinkerer. Beside you, Edison was a cross-eyed watchmaker. Panel 4 of page 7 now. You can see that Dr. Dome has opened the hatch on the top of this old-school-looking washing machine. And Lynx says, Good grief! What's all that junk you're throwing in there? Patience, my child! All will be revealed in a moment! And it looks so like he's throwing in cowboy boots and roller skates and what looks like a big lollipop. And is that a rabbit? I hope it's not a real rabbit. Oh, no. <laughs> and there's a clunk and a plink and a bam as all this stuff falls into the machine. The next panel shows that Lynx is standing in one of the, the pads that stretches out from the, the front of the machine. And there's a sort of bzzz sound effect coming from the machine. A sort of projection unit on the front, maybe where you would have the window in the washing machine. And she's being bathed in a sort of rainbow energy. And she says... Pop, I, I sure hope you know what you're d d d doing. Me too. We arrive at the top of page eight. Now, it must be said, G. Winslow Mortimer, who drew this, is a very talented man. <laughs> anyway, say no more. So, Dr. Dome has some dialogue and he says, I've done it. Turned you into three different girls. Each of you will be a reporter for a different magazine. And we can see the three ladies standing on the three pads. And the first one... Wears cowboy boots and a very short-looking moccasin-style dress. She wears a cowboy hat, has a little neckerchief around her neck, fancy gloves. And she says, 
I'm Billy the Kid of the Cattle Breeders Journal. The second one is a very sexy um, Playboy bunny type. Good grief. She says, I'm Vava Vavoom of Playguy magazine. And the final one, it's a very Lolita-esque outfit. White ankle socks, roller skates, short red mini dress with a big bow at the back and a hat. And she says, I'm Shirley Glatz, a cute widow reporter from Wapita Wabbit Weekly. <laughs> Gosh. So, the next panel, Dr. Dome is waving off his three daughters. And he says, Goodbye, my children. Do good. And with a whir, Shirley scoots off on the roller skates, saying, Don't worry, Daddy. And then the next panel, we see Vava bouncing off on a pogo stick with a boing boing, and she says, We'll bring back the info. And then Billy D. Kid is on the back of a horse with a clip-clop who's tripping away, and she says, Even if we have to string them varmints up by the neck, partner. Terrific. And then we have a closing caption for this chapter, and it says, Will they learn Plastic Man's secret origin? Read on, and soon you'll be as smart as us. Okay, wise guy, as smart as we. <laughs> rest of this page is taken up with a brilliant DC house ad for House of Mystery, featuring Robbie Reed and Dial H for Hero. One of the characters there that Robbie becomes is Supernova. There's another DC name yes. with a bit of legacy, so that's quite interesting. And he's up against Dr. Cyclops. I wonder if that's the Cyclops who wrote in to, to, <laughs> to House of Mystery commenting about the Plastic Man issue of that. Yeah. After issue 160, Cyclops from Dimension Wah. Check out our podcast on that, folks. Over the page, there's a Caps Hobby Hints cartoon, a bit of DC Direct Currents, a full-page advert for Showcase introducing Buana Beast, another little bit of Hobby Hinting, an advert for Superman 80-page giant, and then we arrive on page 9, and the caption for the first panel says, Now links, Miss Triple Trouble begins the three simultaneous interviews. One with Captain McSniffy of the police. Yes, and this panel has links in her guise as Shirley. This is aged well in her very girly outfit and her skates. And you can see, in front, you can see her knickers poking at the bottom of the skirt. She's basically sat on the lap of Captain McSniffy and she's tickling the top of his head, all the while while sucking on the big giant lollipop that she had in the earlier panels, which I think I actually forgot to mention, probably because I was too overwhelmed by Vava, to be honest. Um, and as Shirley, aka Lynx, is perched on his lap, she says, And our widow readers will be thrilled to learn your secret of Plastic Man's origin. And a very flustered Captain McSniffy <laughs> says, Certainly, Shirley, my child. Huh? Now just shift your weight a little to my other knee. Yeah, th that's better. Well, it all began ten years ago. Uh, could you keep that lollipop out of my face? We split to the next panel. The caption says, Another at the 48-room shack of Mrs. Duluth, Mike's mother. Yeah, we see Mike's mother in all her glory standing at the top of a flight of stairs and Billy D. Kidd has arrived on her horse and Mike's mom is saying, Yes, young lady, I'd be happy to tell you what I know about that disgusting plastic man. But would you mind parking your horse outside? Billy doffs her cowboy hat at Mike's mom and says, Sorry about that, ma'am. I'm just not used to these here big city customs. And the caption for the next panel. And a third at Gordy's Pet Shop. And we see that Vava, looking dead sexy, has arrived at Furs, Fins and Feathers. She's standing in the doorway with her arms arched above her head, looking very seductive. And Gordy is saying, Certainly I'll tell you about PM's noble and courageous beginning. By the way, Miss Vavoom, we sell a lot of rabbits around Easter time. I wonder if you'd care to help us promote them. Vava replies, Surely, Mr. Trueblood, but goodness, why would anyone be attracted by quiet little me? Gosh, if I was wearing a collar and tie... I'd be listening to them right now. We arrive at the top of page 10. The caption says, Maybe Lynx can cover three stories at once, but we can't. So we'll start with Captain McSniffy. Yeah, back in Captain McSniffy's office, and Shirley is still perched on his knee, and the captain is saying, I was a brilliant young patrolman back then. Well, maybe not so young. And there's obviously a bit of a flashback here. There's another senior police officer behind the desk. Captain McSniffy is standing in front of him. And a senior police officer behind the desk says, Let's face it, McSniffy, you're the oldest patrolman on the force. I do me best, sir. Seventeen years without one arrest. <laughs> it's not good enough. Now, get a move on. So, 
Captain McSniffy narrates the next couple of pages, and this first little caption panel goes like this. Then fate smiled upon me in the form of the slimiest, slipperiest tough I ever saw. And we see McSnuffy on patrol, twirling his baton, and then a baddie in a red suit peeking around the corner says, Psst, over here, copper. I've got a tip for you. They call me the eel. Maybe that's because you're the slimiest, slipperiest tough I ever saw. The next panel shows the eel and McSnuffy standing in the alleyway that the eel was beckoning from. And in silhouette, the eel is saying, I'm not a real crook, see? I came from Migraine, Missouri, to the big city to help fight crime. I joined a gang to work as an undercover man. Listen, eel, are you going to tell me your whole autobiography, or have you got some real information? The next panel, the eel says, Okay, here's the info on how you can capture the spider. The next panel shows McSnuffy imagining what the success could bring him. We can see a, a medal for valour, we can see money, we can see a police badge. He looks delighted. And McSnuffy says, The spider! The most wanted man in the city! What a great day for law and order! And for me, he continues to narrate the next panel. He told me the spider was going to break into the big deal toy factory that night to steal the secret plans for a new bop bag. This panel shows McSniffy poking around the corner with his baton in his hand and he can see there's a sort of large metallic spider in the air with sort of helicopter blades above it. So obviously the spider's way of getting around. When I say it's spider shape, it's like a green dome with legs. Only looks like six legs actually in this panel all coming from it and there's a rope descending. So bad guys are obviously coming down the rope onto the roof of a building. And McSniffy is thinking, the spider plane. That slippery, slimy eel told the truth. Now to cleverly conceal myself inside the factory. Get to the top of page 11. Narration continues. Then, from a clever place of concealment, I surprised them in the act. And this is great because we see McSniffy disguised as a jack-in-the-box, popping out of a giant jack-in-the-box box, wearing a red pointy hat. There's some baddies carrying, like one carrying a toy truck, one carrying what looks like a toy train. And McSniffy, bearing his gun, says... Now stop your sticky hands! I mean, stick up your nasty hands! And in the next panel, the narration says, But the spider was a craftier creep than I'd realised. And swinging in a rope is the spider who we saw on the cover. So he has six arms here, all wearing boxing gloves, which is odd because on the cover he had seven arms. And the spider says as he swings in on his rope, Okay, copper, now you're going to feel the spider's sting. And in the next panel... He's obviously whizzing around because poor McSnuffy's been powed and punched with each one of these boxing gloves in turn. It should be said he's back to having seven arms in this panel. <laughs> McSniffy drops his gun. His narration for the next panel continues. I blacked out. And what happened then, I only know from Plastic Man's words. And now we see the spider, again, with very malevolent intent. He's now got a gun in each of his arms. And this panel, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight arms again. Okay, that's good. Spider says... Now to finish him off. However, on the other side of the panel, rushing in, bearing the bop bag with kick me written on it, it's the eel who says, Hold it, spider. Let me help you. Oops. And the next panel, it looks as though eel has tripped and thrown the bop bag forward because it collides with the spider. And the spider says, You clumsy oof. And he's down on the ground in the next panel, looking up at the eel and he says, Okay, eel. You wanted to help me here? You finish off the cop. And the eel says, Me? Oh. Why, uh, sure, boss. We arrive at the top of page 12. Spider's still down on the ground. Eel's standing over him with a gun. The eel says, Okay, Spider, hands up. I'm turning you over to the law. Fine. Only first try to fire that gun. Huh? Says the eel. And in the next panel, she was click, click. He's trying to fire the gun, but it's not working. This gives the spider time to recover. He's on his feet, pointing all his remaining guns at the eel. And he says, I tricked you. You see, I never load more than one of my guns to save ammunition, so I gave you an empty rod to fake you out. Panel 4 shows the eel, in a very exaggerated comedy sense, running away. And with a click, 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 Spider's firing after him, and Spider says, Stop, eel! Stop or I'll shoot! And one of Spider's hoods is beside him, and he says, Hey, boss, you didn't load none of those guns. How cheap can you get? <laughs> Amazing. The next panel... We're elsewhere in the toy factory. We can see the eel is running up a big tall ladder to an overhead gantry. 
and spiders rushing after him, saying, You fool! <coughs> you can't escape the spider's web! <coughs> Eels further up the ladder, and he says, I can if you keep puffing like a pot-bellied steam engine. Further along the gantry, the spider is caught up with Eel with a whump. He shoves him off, saying, Pot-bellied am I. We'll wait till you see the pot your belly's going into. Eel falls off with a scream. Aye! And then the next panel, the giant sploosh sound effect. We see him falling into a giant vat that's labelled Nutty Putty. It's it's always going spewing up into the air. We arrive at the top of page 13. The spider, two of his goons in silhouette, looking up at the vat of Nutty Putty, with his bloop bloop as it's bubbling away. And one of the goons says, Man, what a way to go! And the spider says, Yes, a nasty end. Slopification. The next panel, we're looking down at Spider and his goons. We can see the vat, and a hand is stretching up out at the end of a long arm. Spider's goon says, Hold it, Spider. He's alive. Anyway, one arm is, and what an arm. The next panel, the point of view shifts down to behind the spider's sort of point of view as he's looking up at the nutty putty vat. We see the giant long arm and hand stretching up. Spider says, It's still growing straight up, like creeping ivy. And then panel four shows who we now recognise as Plastic Man with a sploosh emerging from the vat of Nutty Putty. And he says, No, more like poison ivy, Spider. I've got powers I haven't even counted yet. He's reached up for the gantry and he's used that to swing out the next panel because he, with a thump and a bump, he kicks down and takes out the two goons, saying, Watch this footwork. The next panel shows the spider making a break for it. He's running up some stairs past a sign that says Executive Offices. And there's a very conspicuous red carpet on these stairs. Spider is thinking, Ah, let those bums fight that plastic eel. I'm getting out of here. But then the bottom panel of page 13, you guessed it, the fancy red carpet was Plastic Man. And he reforms, pulling the carpet from under the spider's feet, the whoosh, and Plastic Man says, If you're in such a hurry, spider, try my flying carpets. And with a yeek, the spider goes flying. We arrive in now at the top of page 14, and McSniffy's narration continues. By the time I came to, my chief arrived on the scene. And we see Plastic Man standing with the spider in his hoods, all bound up in his legs, looking very happy. The chief looks surprised, and he says, Holy hemp! The spider and his men tied by a human rope. Plastic Man says, Yes. But none of this would have happened if it hadn't been for your man, McSniffy. And a very modest-looking McSniffy, standing on the other side of the panel, leaning against the wall, says, I guess you could say that. And we're then back with Shirley and McSniffy in his office. And again, it's very of its time, isn't it? This, um, the outfit, yes. the whole thing, isn't it? It's very mid-60s. You can imagine someone like Goldie Hawn or Brett Eklund or, or someone like that playing this part. Yep. So Shirley's still perched on McSniffy's lap, still tickling the top of his head. And she says... So the man from McGuane, Missouri, really saved your life and started you on the road to success. That's what he'd like me to believe, but I'm too smart for Plastic Man. I say, once a crook. Always a crook. Well, thanks for the story, Captain. It'll make swell weeding in the Peter Wabbit Weekly. This panel shows Shirley skating off. She's bouncing a baseball, twirling her own hat around her finger. And she's still wearing, <laughs> she's now wearing Captain McSniffy's police hat. Tremendous. She has played him completely. Now, slow dissolve, change of scenery. The caption for the next panel says, Now let's move back a few minutes to when Mrs. Duluth's interview began. So, this panel shows Mike's mom sort of stretched out in a chaise lounge and Billy the Kid is standing in the background. It looks like she's opened a drawer in Mike's mom's dressing table and it looks like she's dropping some jewels into her cowboy hat. Anyway, Billy the Kid says, now, just you lie back, close your eyes, and tell me what you all remember, partner. Mike's mom, lying back, says, Well, it began some years ago in my private railroad car. I was taking an overnight trip from one end of my estate to the other. Imagine then a sort of slow dissolve, the strings representing a flashback, as we fade to, to see Mrs. Deleuze sat at a very long table, which has some candles and has obviously been set for dinner. And we see Mike's mom, Mrs. Deleuze, with Fornish the butler. And Mike's mom says, I do love these intimate dinners, Fornish, but it's a pity there's no entertainment. Ah, oh, but there is, madam. Bring on the gypsy dancers. He claps his hands. And in the first panel of page 15, we see the gypsy dancer who we saw in the opening splash panel. 
up on top of the table, playing his fiddler, and he's a couple of very, oh, gasp, <laughs> very Sophia Loren in the Man of La Mancha movie-esque sort of dancing girls dancing on the table behind him. And he's playing his violin and he's singing. Dance, gypsy, sing, gypsy, jump, gypsy, bump, gypsy, skip, gypsy, chip, gypsy. And Mike's mom, she doesn't look too impressed. She waves her hand and dismissively and says, Oh, such an incredibly <laughs> dirty, ragged, vulgar creature! Fallish! You've made a marvellous <laughs> discovery! <laughs> then Mike's mom continues to narrate the next panel. Suddenly the car door flew open and in stepped an equally sickening soul. Right, now, we have talked obviously in the past about the sort of old school racial stereotypes that appeared in comics, so... This is a very outdated, shall we say, racial sort of Japanese caricature. Entering the scene, we have a very racial stereotype Japanese villain who's short, buck-tooth, big glasses, all the caricatures you yeah. could possibly imagine that are bad even for the time. Yes, absolutely. I mean, tail end of 66, you know, Pieface and that laddie in the Blackhawks were being rendered a little more carefully. At this point, yes. so this is this. I mean, it's obviously it's a com it's a comedy comic, but it, yeah. it's still a little bit uncomfortable. It does speak in pidgin English, but we will clean that up as we go along. Don't worry, folks. I'm not going to attempt to do an accent. This character appears in the doorway and says, "I am the Japanese Beetle. Please not to move, American Ready, otherwise you'll run out of rock." And then in panel three, the gypsy dancer with the violin has jumped forward and smacks this Japanese Beetle character in the face with his violin. With a crash, it breaks. And the gypsy dancer has some dialogue here, but we're just Pete's just going to play it straight. He's not going to do the the affected language text because they're horrendous. Yes, he says. So sorry, please. Humbly hope you like the lovely music of the violin. The caption for the next panel continues the narration of Mike's mom. She says, "The disgusting gypsy put the nasty oh, Oriental no. to flight. The vulgar fight continued. I was told later atop the train." And this panel, quite amusing actually. See the outside of the train in silhouette. There's um obviously the the carriage that belongs to to Mrs. Deloot. There's another one that um was just plain. There's another one with milk written on it significantly. You see the silhouette of the gypsy dancer chasing the silhouette of the Japanese beetle along the tops of the the train carriages. The gypsy dancer silhouette says, "Give it up, beetle baby, or get your wings clipped." And the beetle says, "I clip your earring first, you rousy, ugly fiddler." And again, we're translating slightly. Bottom panel of page 15, the Japanese beetle has opened up the top of the milk carriage and splushes some milk in the direction of the gypsy dancer. And the beetle says, obviously adjusted for sensitivity, You like milk? I like what? Milk! Milk! Ah, here, have some anyway. And he squishes the gypsy dancer with milk through a sort of hose that's attached to the top of the carriage. Over the page to page 16. And, ah, very interesting. We see that the next carriage along from the one labelled as milk is labelled danger acid. Now, that's very clever, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't get those mixed up, kids. Yeah, acid and milk, two carriages down from the expensive private railway carriage of Mrs. <laughs> Deloot. Yeah, someone thought that through, didn't they? Anyway, first panel now at the top of page 16, the gypsy dancer falls backwards onto the carriage that's labelled danger acid. The Japanese beetle says, Now I finish you off with hand grenade. Goodbye, gypsy fellow. And we can see that he's holding the hand grenade in his right hand. And he's obviously, between that one and panel two, thrown it forward because there is a massive baroom explosion in panel two. And in panel three, there's a sproosh sound effect. And we see that the gypsy dancer, now kind of looks like Plastic Man, being flung up into the air as the acid explodes. And we see the voice of the Japanese beetle saying, Ho, ho, ho. You get acid bath. You've never been cleaner in your life. And when you come down, you've never been deader. Ho, ho, ho. Mrs. Deloot's caption for the next panel. But that's not what happened next, according to that nasty plastic uh, man. Instead... And we see in this origin, Plastic Man also has instant grasp of his powers because he's turned into a sort of human parachute and he's drifting down towards the Japanese beetle, who's still standing at the top of the other carriage. And the Japanese beetle says... Holy mackerel! Combination of milk and acid do something fabulous! Now he's become a plastic fellow! And again, I've edited the horribly racist caricature comedy dialogue. You'll just have to try and work out what he was saying. And then the final story panel, page 16. 
Classic Man has drifted down and completely enveloped the Japanese beetle and covering the top of the carriage that he was standing on. A very muffled Japanese beetle's voice says, Let me out! Let me out! Very dark in here! And Plastic Man says, You want some light? That can be arranged. And then a closing caption for this page. Hey, tick-tock, that hour's running out. Tick-tock, if Mrs. DeLute doesn't hurry, Dr. Doom is domed. How's that again? <laughs> Funny switch there of the names. Yes, that's brilliant. That's a nice little play in words. The rest of that page is taken up with a house ad that features um, the Doom Patrol and the Challengers of the Unknown. Over the page, story page 17, Plastic Man has transformed his head into a light bulb and he says, Here's some light for you. And the Japanese beetle recoils, saying, Aye! Now he changes to electric light, blinding me. This is DeLute's narration for the next panel. But the Japanese chap had one last card to play. A machine gun he'd concealed somewhere. Yeah, because the Japanese beetle has pulled a machine gun on Plastic Man. And the beetle says, Now it is a new story, eh? Wipe that smile off your face or I shoot it off. Plastic Man says, Wanna bet? In the next panel, we see that Plastic Man, and I love how he's he has such an instant grasp of his powers. It's like Robbie reads. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is, yeah has extended his index finger and it's wrapped around the barrel of the machine gun and obviously plugged the barrel as well because the Japanese beetle says, Hey, I fire a gun, but you plugged it up, no matter. I shoot your fingers to pieces and there's a whomp and a bump sound effect as he's trying to fire the gun. Mrs. Deluxe narration. But that's not precisely how it went. And the whomp and the bump and the bump continues. We can see that the Japanese beetle is starting to vibrate from the bullets being fired. Classic Man doesn't look too fast. His index finger is still extended and circled around the gun. And then in the next panel... There's a baroom as the gun explodes. And the Japanese beetle says, Plastic fellow, you've got a good thing there. I'd like to buy a half interest in you. And Plast replies, No sale, beetle. But anyway, lots of luck. And we're back in the next panel, back at Mrs. DeLute's house. And we can see that <laughs> Billy Dickhead has obviously filled her hat with uh, Mrs. DeLute's jewels. And she's put it back in her head, but some of the, the jewels are hanging out. It's very amusing. Mrs. DeLute is reclining still in her chaise lounge. And she says, now that's the story as that dreadful plastic person told it to me, my dear. And Billy says, Dandy, ma'am, only you didn't happen to mention where this varmint came from. And a recumbent Mrs. DeLute says, Well, he claimed he was a railroad detective disguised to protect me, and his home was Chilblains, Nevada. Amazing. Billy starts to walk off, and she says, Gotcha. You'll pardon me if I mosey off. My hour's almost run out. Uh, the one in my horse's parking meter, I mean. We now arrive at the top of page 18, and the caption says, Now let's turn the clock back again to when Gordon K. Trueblood began his saga of Plastic Man. And this panel shows Gordy with Vava, Vava who is just ridiculous. She makes Jessica Rabbit look like Aunt May Parker, and I don't mean the Marissa Termay version. Anyway, so Gordy is beholding Vava, and he's saying, You see, Miss Vavoom? I was a young boy scout on the eventful day I first saw PM. My troop was on a nature trip and... And we have another slow dissolve. And we see a big red car parked in the woods. There's four or five scouts. A large-bellied scoutmaster with his hat and his badges. And he's pointing at a tree stump. And he's saying, This looks like a perfect campsite, but we should remove that tree stump. Gordon, get the chain and ropes. And young Gordon the scout says, Yes, Mr. Dandy Man. The next panel, Mr. Dandy Man is in his car. The chain has been attached to a sort of towing hook at the back of his car and wrapped around the tree stump. And the rope has been wrapped around the tree stump. And Mr. Dandy Man, the scout leader, says, All together now, one, two, three. And then with an... <laughs> and they pull the stump out of the ground. The bush, tremendous. In the next panel, the yoghurt churner, who we saw in the opening splash panel, in his red dungarees and yellow long sleeve top and goggles, has arrived. And he says, Howdy. Mind if I join you? And Scoutmaster says, Not at all, sir, but I'm afraid we have no more chairs. And this chap says, That's all right. I can use this here tree stump. And he's lifting up the tree stump, spinning it around. Gordy the Scout says, Huh? And the guy in the red dungarees says, Because it isn't as comfy as a chair, but it'll do all right. And this makes one of the other Scouts go, Wow! And it's obvious this is the guy that's going to become Plastic Man because he's wearing the same goggles that we've seen the gypsy dancer and the eel wearing over the page to page 19. 
and the yogurt chunder guy from the splash page is now sitting on the tree stump and he's talking to the scouts and he says if i'm a mite stronger than some it's cause mr bulgendorf my boss makes yogurt here fermented goat's milk and that glop gives a guy real power gordy the scout says bet you could throw a cow for a mile and the scoutmaster says bet he can throw the bull pretty far too then gordy continues his narration as a caption for the next panel and it says suddenly a car came screaming up and a weird-looking gunman jumped out and this is horrendous this is the classic sort of looking batman villain type there is a bit of a touch of the um the mf enterprises to this guy as well yeah very much yeah imagine mr toad from wind in the willows but wearing a sort of purple suit and a black shirt and sort of pink tie he's not actually a toad he's a frog but anyway this grotesque character starts walking towards the scouts and he says all right you guys up with your hands you midgets too gordy the scout says how dare you sir we're not midgets we're and the scoutmaster interrupts him don't argue with the man gordy my little m- 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 midget the next panel we see the guy in his red dungarees still perched in his tree stump and he says you're the frog right the police have been hunting you here for weeks since that bank job and the frog says yeah wise guy the frog and you're the jerk who's gonna get me out of here stand up come on stretch your legs don't mind if i do says the bloke in the dungarees and then gordy's narration for the next panel says it was a masterful way he did it stretched his leg i mean and then we see with a whoosh and a clunk that the guy in the dungarees is kicked out and knocked the gun out of the frog's hand one of the scouts cries hooray and the scoutmaster says big show off and the frog cries yeah gordy's narration continues but fate was unkind to that brave soul and we see the gun with a clunk falling back into the frame and landing on the head of the guy in the red dungarees who goes uh, and a dancing frog says <laughs> oh, cheating shows cheating shows gordy's narration continues but in another second he was on his feet and running we see the guy in the red dungarees running off and the frog with his gun finding his gun chasing after him gordy says to the scoutmaster isn't that wonderful he's leading the gunman away from us and the scoutmaster says no geordie he's just leading himself away from that gun we arrive at the top of page 20 gordy's narration continues they ran out of sight but plastic man later told me what happened see the guy the red dungarees has stopped there's a sign behind them that says bulgandov's yogurt makes you strong like anything the frog is caught up with him and he instructs him saying now i got you farm boy no tricks bend over till your palms touch the ground that's it so the guy in the red dungarees is bent over hands touching the ground and he says this is very good for the waistline ah only i don't think that's what you had in mind at that same moment inside the barn and we see a vet middle-aged man looks a bit like lance percival it must be said i'm wearing a white tunic he's on his knees he's got a stethoscope on and he's examining a goat and there's also a man with a kind of smooth bald head a big thick chin beard very thick eyebrows who we learn is mr bulgendorf and the vet's saying to mr bulgendorf this goat is very sick bulgendorf i think it's got diphtheria bulgendorf replies dot goat no got diphtheria doc you got dope theria <laughs> the next panel is a close-up of a obviously a bucket of the yogurt we see the vet's hand bringing a syringe which he sticks into the yogurt saying i'm sorry but i'll have to take a sample of this yogurt if it's diseased we'll have to yank it off the market bulgendorf says you know yank my yogurt and with a qualm in the next panel um he knocks the syringe with the yogurt sample out of the vet's hand and it goes flying out of the window of the barn bulgendorf says now go pick up sample doctor only don't bend over or you'll find out how sick them goats <laughs> is the next panel rather unsurprisingly with a ping the syringe has flown through the air and it's landed in the bottom of the guy in the red dungarees who exclaims yay and the frog still pointing his gun at the yogurt farmer says stop yelling hayseed i didn't even shoot you yet and the guy in the red dungarees says well then somebody's hunting without a license then in the final panel of page 20 we see that the yogurt farmer is starting to stretch obviously you can guess what's happened here stretching his back and legs up into a big arch the frog whose hat has bounced off his head in surprise exclaims hey i told you not to move now come down from there but believe me this is just as much a shock to me as you 
over the page to page 21, and the yogurt farmer has now metamorphosized completely into Plastic Man. He's now wearing the full Plastic Man rig. And it's quite amusing, because with a whoosh and a whomp, he stretches his bottom round and wallops the frog, so the frog goes flying. Plastic Man says, Excuse me, Froggy, I can't seem to hold my trunk up. And as he goes flying, the frog says, Oof! So why then you ask me? And I've gotten you a porter! Panel 3 of page 21, the frog has gone flying away from the barn, lands with a violent burst, and he says, Man, that guy's father was a rubber band and his mother was a slinky toy, but I'll fix him, Gordy's narration says. But when the frog searched the area, and we see the frog back at the barn looking in on some goats, a couple of whom are sort of asleep, one of them who's standing and looks like he's chewing on some hay, the frog says, He's not here neither. Nobody here but a bunch of sick goats. Better try the farmhouse. But then, with a quam, one of the goats, and you probably guess who it is, has stretched his neck and his head out and butts the frog right up the backside again, and he goes flying with a yee. The final panel, page 21, the frog's back on his feet. He's pointing his gun into the barn, and he says, Okay, which one of you wise guys did that? We can see that all the goats are now just lying stretched out in the hay, and he continues... So you won't talk? <laughs> then I'll fix all of yous. It's great that he's expecting the goats to actually respond, <laughs> yeah. say something. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So we arrive at the top of page 22 now, and the frog is suddenly in a red jeep, which it must be said is a yellow bumper, and the headlights look very much like eyes. You can probably guess what's going on with a vroom. The frog drives the vehicle forward, saying, Here's where I get me a 12-year supply of goatskin gloves. Suddenly... And unsurprisingly, folks, because it's, you can probably guess who the Jeep actually is, the front wheels have sort of stretched out, and with a boing, they've butted the frog on the head. The frog says, Holy hot rods, this Jeep's flipped its lid! And in the next panel, the wheels are all sort of extending out as if on limbs, and the Jeep is reading up. You can probably guess who it is. The frog is bouncing away, saying, Help! Mad Jeep! Mad Jeep! And the Jeep says... I'm not really mad. Mildly irritated, but not mad. Yeah, because of course the Jeep was Plastic Man. So, we're back at Gordy's pet shop for the next panel, and Vava is walking off, and Gordy says, Later Plast told me he was there, trailing the frog all the time. He came from a small town called Pelagra, Mississippi, Vava says. Fascinating, Mr. Trueblood Baby. Your story will be an inspiration to boys of all <laughs> ages. Even my father will love it. And she was slinking off with a small dog wrapped around her shoulders like a wrap, and the little dog is grrr, so it's always not very happy. Anyway, we arrive at the bottom of page 22. Later, at Dr. Dome's depressed domicile. And we're back at Dr. Dome's, and presumably, because it doesn't actually tell us, presumably Lynx has, all the three versions of Lynx have come back and told him the... Three contrasting versions of the origin of Plastic Man. And anyway, she's reformed. She's appearing here in a sort of combination of the outfit. She's wearing the cowboy boots of Debbie, the little girly outfit of Shirley, and she's still wearing McSniffy's hat. Dr. Dome has sat on one of the sort of landing pads of the machine with his head in his hands, his elbows in his knees, and he's saying, Then we're beaten, my dreadful daughter. Only six minutes remain before Plastic Man destroys me. So I can't investigate all three rumoured hometowns. And Link says, Hold it, Daddio. Did you forget the triplicating machine? Then the next panel, Lynx has pulled a lever on the side of the machine and the rainbow energy is blasting out again. And she says, We'll make three of you and then you can go back in time and... No, wait! You don't know how to handle that thing! Ah! Exclaims Dr. Doe. We arrive at the top of page 23 and there are no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Dr. Domes all suddenly appeared fighting and scuffling with each other. One of the Doctor Domes points at Lynx and says, I warned you, oh, now look what you've done, oof, created a whole snake pit of me's, oh, reverse the ray, hurry. And Lynx says, that is a pretty sickening sight. The next panel with three little pops, all the extra Doctor Domes have vanished. Doctor Dome on the ground, looking like he's not having the best of days, says, ah, that's better, but now I've run out of time, there's no way to avoid the disaster planned for me by Plastic Man. So I might as well watch it. So panel three of page 23 shows Dr. Dome back at his big video screen that we saw earlier on. It's obviously some kind of event because we can see Plastic Man sat at the table. Well, it looks like Captain McSniffy is there. There's another obviously important police officer. 
and he's addressing the party, and this guy says, Welcome to the annual luncheon of the Society of Law Enforcement Officers. We've all enjoyed our delicious menu, deviled yeggs, smoked jailbird under glass, swiped bass, purloin steak, and fink champagne. <laughs> That's quite good. This year, as in the past, we are honoured to have America's leading freelance crime fighter with us, Plastic Man. And he gestures to his left, and we can see Plastic Man sat beside him, and there's cries of hooray from the assembled police crowd, and a hiss from Dr. Dome as he watches this, and the important policeman continues. And now to the annual election of public enemy number one. As usual, you have unanimously chosen Dr. Dome, but... Also traditionally, we now turn to the man who knows more about Dr. Dome than any other. Plastic Man, what do you say? Is Dr. D America's number one crook? And there's a close panel here of the Chief of Police and Plastic Man, and Plastic Man is smiling over the page, the top of page 24, and we see Dr. Dome watching Plastic Man on the screen, and Plastic Man says, Frankly, Police Chief Irving, I wish I had another answer this year. I hate to keep depriving poor old Domi <laughs> of the honour, but he's not only not number one, he's actually slipped from 14th to 17th. <laughs> and with a scream of, Aye! This is too much for Dr. Dome. Panel 2 of page 24 shows a banging on his dome with his hands with those clangs and clangs and he's saying, Sob! He's done it to me again! Choke! Every year for eight years now he's blackballed me! Oh, how much can one man bear? One day I'll get my hands on him and then I'll destroy that self-righteous fink like this! And with a crash, he hurls his chair through the video screen and Link says, Well... There goes the TV repair bill again. <laughs> and then we close. We're back at the, the pet shop with Gordy and Plastic Man. Plastic Man is arm stretched out with some birds balanced on it and he's throwing some feed to them. Gordy says, What I don't understand, PM, is how come those girls got three different stories of your origin? That's my little secret, Gordy. But Dr. Dome got three for the price of one. So you gotta admit, I'm not... Cheap, 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 cheap. Go the little birds. Yes, amazing. <laughs> and the final closing caption says, Another fantastic adventure of Plastic Man is on its way. Only an idiot would miss it. Bright eyes. The end. Well, there we are. Again, another fun Plastic Man story. Yeah, it was a riot. That was tremendous. Yeah, Enjoyed that hugely. Very interesting, this at the very meta sort of three different versions of his origin. I mean, the one that's most familiar, obviously, yeah. is Eel O'Brien, the, the criminal falling into the big vat. Um, but the other ones are quite interesting, too. Even then, the original origin was he was shot and it was acid he fell into. Yeah. Uh, originally, so it wasn't nutty putty. This yeah. Obviously, something quite a bit different for the Silver Age. Mm hmm. I, was, I found it really interesting, the fact that they said he's been plaguing Dr. Dome for seven years. Yes. Bearing in mind, this is issue two of Plastic Man. <laughs> yes. So it seems to have been gone for some time. And they're going back ten years to his origin? Yeah, which, and obviously, from what we know, Plastic Man was originally sort of active and published during World War Two, and all that sort of stuff. I suppose that kind of ties in with what we'll talk about when we do another subsequent issue, which I don't really want to say yeah. too much about at the moment, because it might spoil it. Yeah, we're taking these issues kind of like one at a time as they introduce new ideas, but certainly there is more evidence later on in future stories that kind of confirm exactly who this Plastic Man is and yes, perhaps what Earth he's on. We shall discuss that as we go along. There's an awful lot to be said about which Earth Plastic Man's on and all that sort of stuff. And I think we're probably going to... I think everyone in the world probably has their own theories. Not everyone in the world. Everyone in the world is, <laughs> who's remotely interested in Plastic Man, I should qualify that, probably has their own theories about it. There's been a lot of speculation about heroes jumping from different Earths to different Earths, but I think the way the stories are going to pan out for us, we might reach that conclusion we might reach another conclusion i don't know mm -hmm. which of these three origins was um the most surprising to you uh the most surprising is probably the middle one probably because of the inherent racism <laughs> 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 however i was quite amused by the last one the frog yeah that was a lot of fun mm -hmm. was he a real frog in a, in a man's just wearing a suit or was he a man in a mask because that wasn't really mm -hmm. you know explained and was this the first time gordy and plastic man met when gordy was a scout yeah Plastic Man was a farm worker who got injected with some special yoghurt in his bottom. ITK. It's interesting that the three different versions of the origin had three animal adversaries. Hmm. Spider, frog and beetle. 
Yeah, this is probably the opportune moment to point out that the Spider is yet another DC legacy name. Mm-hmm. The Spider was also the name of a, another bow and arrow archer type superhero who first appeared in issue one of Crack Comics in 1940, published by Quality. But then obviously DC, when they bought everything else, they got a hold of him. Mm-hmm. The character was really sort of a bit of a blank slate. You see him in a few All-Star Squadron crowd shots. But again, this is another character that was expanded upon and built upon very well in the, the James Robinson, Tony Harris, Starman series and the, the Shade spin-off miniseries actually from that as well. So yes. that's quite interesting to know another spider. And of course, Plastic Man himself was originally a quality comics character. Yes. So it's quite cool that you know they actually introduce Spider in with, with Plastic Man here. Yeah, that's that's a nice little link actually, yeah. Yeah. I think one massive hint as to this not taking place in Earth 1 is the fact that Dr. Dome was going to be number one on the most wanted list. Yes. So I don't think that would be the case really uh, on Earth 1. I think uh, Lex Luthor might have something to say about that or... That's true. Brainiac or or the Joker or yeah. Or anyone really, yeah. (laughs) Some of this was absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's very different from the, as we said, I think we did issue one and we enjoyed issue one much more, I think, than either of us anticipated, which is why we decided to do issue two as well. Mm -hmm. And the origin spin is quite an interesting thing to talk about. Obviously, different artists from the last time. It's not Gil Kane anymore, but still Uh very, very funny. Dr. Dome absolutely cracks me up. He's hilarious. Absolutely. You can just sense his frustration. Yeah, some of the jokes might have gone over the head of some of the kids reading it. I mean, it's very of the time, as we said. You know, yeah, some of the jokes are of the time. Stuffy middle-aged police officers being charmed by devastatingly attractive. She's only a drawing. David, calm down. Being <laughs> charmed by yeah. by sexy young ladies that would never happen today. No. <laughs> yeah, not in the, the modern sensibilities. So it's it's possible that some of that might have gone over the heads of some of the kids reading it, but maybe the adults reading it might have enjoyed it. I don't know. Do you know what this story really reminded me of? Remember that issue of Secret Origins about the Phantom Strangers origin? Yes! (laughs) Amazing! Again, that was a case of they didn't give one possible origin for the Phantom Stranger, they actually gave four in that story. And of course, it was still open as to whether any of them were actually valid, and the same lies for this. Admittedly, very different in tone from this, however. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, there aren't any scenes of the Phantom Stranger being injected with yoghurt in his bottom, obviously. (laughs) Well, that could be deleted scenes from... Yes, deleted scenes from the from the Alan Moore version. We will talk about the Phantom Stranger. We've worked out an angle of how we can include him in the podcast and represent him, so don't worry, we'll talk about him a little bit more in the future. I love the Phantom Stranger. Yeah. You're right, one character, multiple possible origins, which one is correct, mm-hmm. you decide. I mean, obviously, they kind of bought in some of the stories with the Phantom Stranger going forward did kind of buy into one of the, the projected origins more than others yeah. but you know I suppose we'll talk about that maybe one day yes no but it was a lot of fun it's very different from the the cosmic epic spectral stuff that we've done recently yep and it's a bit more lightweight and silly than the flash stories that we've done recently so it's um ah, it's great the flash has a relationship with this costume like a man has with his gun yeah it's a bit it's a bit lighter than that a bit more fun than that yes absolutely <laughs> oh my god can you what if can I get a written plastic man <gasps> can you imagine oh my goodness Wow. Oh, I don't think I'd have been able to handle it, to be honest. He'd be a goofy <laughs> but grizzled war vet. Yes. <laughs> Who would keep having to compete against versions of himself in championships mm. in forests in Dimension X or something. Yes. In fairness, though, he did write Metal Men for years and they've got the same kind of like shape-changing abilities that Plastic Man has. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities in power sets there. That's a good point. Maybe when we write our DC comic, we should do a story when Plastic Man and the Metal Men team up. Maybe we should. Yeah, maybe Maybe we we should. should. Shall we have a look at reader reaction from the time? Oh, I'd love to. Annoyingly, most of the letters uh, are just generic letters about Plastic Man, as opposed to this issue in particular. Right. Uh, But we'll skip forward to issue five. The excellent letters page, Plastic Man's Pen Pals. Terrific. Excellent. Super duper. Yes. Mm. So the first letter on this one says, Dear Editor, Holy Stretch Socks! Plastic Man's the funniest thing since screen doors and submarines. I still crack up every time I see bug-eyed Gordy screaming, Eek! When the birdcage <laughs> turns out to be Plaz. This is the type of solid humour we need more of. When you guys really want to turn out a yarn for the yawks, you do a bang-up job. Your confidence in this mag sales is indicated by the fact that PM got his own mag right off the bat without having to run through the showcase or brave and bold mill. Good thinking. If it's left up to me and the fans who think like me, Plastic Man will be in top of my must-buy list every time it hits the stands. More! 
more. And that's from future comic penciler Dave Cockrum. Much more than just future comics penciler, man. That's Dave Cockrum. He created Storm and Nightcrawler. He did. And think all the stuff he did in the Legion of Superheroes. Dave Cockrum wrote a letter to Plastic Man. Amazing. The editorial response is, Thanks, Sailor. We think you're the greatest too. And that's how we feel about our friendly, far-flung fans. Ed. Well, that's quite good. Although, in fairness, though, Plastic Man did have a kind of tryout when, you know, they brought him back in House of Mystery for the Dial H for Heroes story. Wait, I mean, we've talked about how that was probably done to secure copyright, but there must have been a good response to it because they gave him, you know, the ongoing series, like, you know, very soon afterwards. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. We now have a couple of very short letters. Dear Editor, Plastic Man's the funniest comic I ever read, but what's happened to the colour of his trunks? How come they've been changed from red to black? One more thing. Publish Plastic Man Monthly. And that's from Ray Maxuta, Wayne, New Jersey. And then there's another letter from someone in New Jersey. And it says, Dear Editor, in recalling Plastic Man as drawn by the late, great Jack Cole, I ask, why did you change his costume now? Where is Black Boots? What happened to the one-armed bear, one-armed covered uniform? And that's from George Moore of Martinsville, New Jersey. And the editorial response to these two very short letters is, Come on, George. Our file shows the old PM with both arms and long sleeves and his legs and feet bare, despite your sketch depicting him wearing black boots. Anyway, why must we keep that old outfit? Why shouldn't our human pretzel's threads be slightly altered, if not replaced with a complete change? You still wearing the same suit of ten years ago? As for switching the colour of his trunks, Ray, that was suggested by the producer and animators of the TV series that'll soon be swinging your way. Incidentally, if enough frantic fans clamour for PM, it'll go monthly. So Plastic Man on TV, that's interesting. Yeah, there was a pilot planned by Hal Seeger for a Plastic Man uh, cartoon. Uh, right. And then by Filmation as well, but nothing really came of that. Okay. But then he appeared in a 1973 Super Friends episode, Professor Goodfellow's Geek. Uh, right. So yeah, basically Superman calls him in to get a mouse out of a computer system. Oh, okay. But then, of course, we had the uh, Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Hour that ran from 1979 to So it was actually quite a wee while before the Plastic Man cartoon took off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the uh, the Plastic Man segment of that that I think I mentioned um, when we did our House of Mystery episode. It's the first time yeah. that I clearly remember seeing him sort of mm-hmm. on TV. Although I must have seen him in a comedy before then. I must have done. So that was Plastic Man. Plastic Man does whatever a plastic can. Yes, Clogs up your rivers and the ocean, strangles wildlife, lies around, <laughs> clogging everything up for thousands and thousands of years, causing untold pollution and damage to the environment. What does it matter? Because, you know, even if humans and animals die out, nature perseveres and they will rise again in some form or another. Yeah. Great ending for this comedy fueled Plastic Man episode. <laughs> <there. laughs> How do you feel about plastic or Plastic Man? Please get in touch. You can email us at the F2 podcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media because we'll be putting up lots of highlights and bonus material from this very issue and others. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it's the number two for all our social media. So if you've enjoyed these Plasma Man episodes that we've done recently, stay tuned because there will at least be one more before too long. And on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we will see you next time on The The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Doctor Doom looks ecstatic Dr. <laughs> to see Doctor Doom, Sorry. not Doctor Doom. Yes, oh, it's the name. That's the <laughs> Merry Christmas, VT. That's your outtake. <laughs>